From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpotts. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope this episode finds you doing well. If you have been wondering where we were the last month or so, well, we hit the pause button out of respect to several major tragedies making the headlines in July. First, the funerals for the deadly ambush on three Floyd County officers and a canine, and then the historic and catastrophic flooding that swept across parts of eastern Kentucky in late July. As someone who holds Eastern Kentucky very close to her heart, it is a place that gave me my start in television news. It's the place I got my college education. And for me, the mountains and the people there will always have a place in my heart. This past month has been so incredibly hard on so many of our neighbors there. They have endured trauma, lost loved ones, and watched as everything they worked so very hard for was washed away by the power of Mother Nature, turning creeks like Troublesome Creek, normally mild and meandering, into raging torrents of water. Over the last month, I have spent time on the ground in both Perry and Breathitt counties. The devastation and destruction I have witnessed up close is immense, but I've also seen the kindness of strangers, been able to personally hug those who just needed to know someone cared, and watched as a resilient region started to pick itself up and lean on others to get by. In this episode, I found it only fitting to introduce you to someone that uses his creative passion and soul to bring to life stories through video documenting Eastern Kentucky and its people. Justin Skeens is an award-winning digital storyteller. In fact, he is the director of digital storytelling at Berea College. He's an Eastern Kentucky native, a former WYMT and WKYT videographer, and in the last month, he has picked up his camera not to document, but rather help preserve the history and struggles that have unfolded during this chaotic time. His love for Appalachia and everything it stands for is quite evident when you talk with him. He's a boy from the mountains living out a dream behind the lens, using his talents to share with the world a place I know to be strong, big on faith, big on family, and a place often misunderstood but unapologetic in how it sees itself. Uniquely Kentucky with Amber Philpot is brought to you by the WKYT News and Weather Apps, available on the App Store and Google Play. Well, hello, listeners. I want to uh, welcome in Mr. Justin Skeens. Okay, so he is a former wkyt -er, but more importantly, he is an award-winning digital storyteller from right here in Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky native. Justin, welcome. How are you? Not too bad. Dustin, you, um, we're gonna, we've got so much to talk about, um, but I want to get right into it because I paused this podcast for the month of July to give it some space because of what happened in Eastern Kentucky, and it was so very heavy, um, and I wanted to pick it back up, and you were the perfect person to do that because, A, you're an Eastern Kentucky native, but you have been on the ground um, volunteering in some of the hardest hit places, but also with the work that you do, you've picked up your camera and you've been documenting some of the destruction, but also some of the amazing images and also heart that is being shown in Eastern Kentucky. What in the world have you been up to lately? I've, I've been staying busy. I, I can only speak just as a, as a volunteer in the area. I, I, I work full time for Berea College now as a uh, as a documentarian to film and 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 document Appalachians. Um, 
but when this happened to my home area, I, I got the thumbs up from my vice president that I can go. I, sh I should go. I need to be there. And I volunteered. The one thing that I know how to do is to record, is to film. And I had asked Apple Shop if they would like for me to come down and at least document what is going on there with their archives because they're you know, their hands are tied. They're, they're trying to save their content and save their building. And they're, they are achieving that. They are doing that. Um, so my focus was really going down, not to record any kind of disaster material, but just to help Apple shop with lending them a hand and, and, and filming it. Cause I know that at some point they're going to want to use that content, use those photos and videos to show the, regrowth of apple shop how they're going to bounce back and um, i'm i know they're going to put that content to good use and um, and then just while being down there i kind of just bounced around the different communities just to kind of see what's going on without intruding on on these people because i i wanted to, to film some interviews and get some shots of, of different areas to also give the apple shop and already I mean, the people of Eastern Kentucky, of Appalachia, they have a very uh, conflicting relationship with anyone with a camera. Mm. Um, there's actually a great documentary that Apple Shop produced, uh, Stranger with a Camera. I started feeling a little bit of that way, even though I'm from there. Uh, these are my neighbors. But speaking to the people only a couple days after the flood and just letting things settle down, there was so, so many different outside media coming in and it was quick and they just wanted those sound bites and they packed up everything and left. And which is what typically happens. Uh, I, I understand that news is always on to the next thing, but I think what these people are dealing with in their entire relationship with media is they're used to just people getting a soundbite a sound and then just leaving. And, and there's no follow-up right now. You can visit, it's, it's still a disaster zone. It's people have their entire lives piled up outside of their homes. Uh, you'll drive through a neighborhood and everybody has their entire life just sitting in the front yard and you drive by that and everything is gray and brown, just covered in mud and uh, I know everyone is donating what they can and all of it's being put to good use. It's, it's needed. Multiple people that I got to speak with, they, they would love dump trucks. They, they need garbage trucks to, to progress, to be able to come and get this out of the way, to be able to move forward. They can't, they can't clean up. And, uh, <clears throat> It's it's kind of wild to see because when you you go into some of these communities like when you when you take the exit to go to Heinemann, you immediately see just piles of trash that people have. I don't believe anybody said, hey, this is the place that we should pile the trash, but I think one person did it and everybody started doing it. So I don't know who is coming to get that trash, but they're just trying to move it out of the way so they can get some glimpse of what is left of their home and it's I mean again I can only speak as just somebody 
visiting, trying to help with what I can. I, um, I, my parents every day are delivering goods to different areas and I'm kind of hearing what the, the, the people that they're encountering and what they're hearing. So I, I can't say that I can't verify some of the things that some people are saying of what they're experiencing, but I being from the area and, and knowing some of the difficulties, it's not far-fetched at all. I mean, I'm hearing stories of people coming and getting the goods from my, my dad's truck and the, the donation areas. And it's, they, I guess Jackson had a flood last year and some people applied for FEMA aid last year. They are unable to reapply now that their entire home is gone. Um, And most of those people were just getting back on their feet, barely back on their feet since last year, um, for sure. A lot of those people in, in those same places, for sure. Right. Um, it's, I mean, to even get back ahead, I don't, I don't know if many of these communities have ever gotten ahead, um, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, these, you lose your house, you lose your car, so typically you would be like, well, I lost my house. I, I, I'm going to try to live in my car, but then you lose your car and it's, where do you go? I know hotels are booked up. Yeah. Uh, there's people staying in, um, in, in fire departments and in other relief areas. There's people in tents. That's just, they, they're, they're camped out right beside of the pile of their life. Um, because it's home. And I think a lot of people don't understand a lot. You hear people are quick to say, well, why would you go back to the same place? But I think I'm not from Eastern Kentucky, but my heart will always be there because they embraced me for 15 months to the point where I am so thankful to have started my career there. And I went to school there and I'm just, I'm so proud of of that whole region and I'm proud to go back. And I always say, but you don't understand that's home to people. That is where they are rooted. And that is where they want to be Um, come water or not. That is, that is home to them. And a lot of people just can't wrap their brain around that, but it is true. And it is the reality. Right. Many people don't have the resources to just simply relocate. And um, I mean, the area was already experiencing several different difficulties. This is just a, an extra layer. Sure. Um, I think, I don't, I don't think that I was compelled to go home because of a, of a flood. Um, because I, and the other reason why I try to avoid, you know, a lot of people have asked me for photos of, um, they want to see the house that's upside down or the roof torn off. And there's plenty of that. There's, there's plenty of spectators there's, yeah. to, to, to get that disaster content. I would love to revisit Eastern Kentucky. Give me another month or so. I just want to hear the stories of what's next for people. It's this, this has happened, but this is just, not to say it's a minor thing, people have lost their lives, but it's, I don't believe it's anything new for the people there. So it's. I applaud you in so many ways for, for going back and wanting to capture and capture in the right way. Um, I'm someone in in my job that when I go, um, 
and I, and I think we're different, hopefully in local news that for people like me, I care. I want to, I want to talk to you. I want to be able to hug you. I want to be able to look you in the eye. I want to be able to, you know, just listen to you for a moment before we talk about whatever the story is, but you sent me um, a Google drive of some of the images that you, you have. And, and one of the ones that really struck me, there's some amazing ones in there. There's the very, I think what's going to become an iconic image of the Hyman fire truck that's sort of wedged under the, the bridge. But one of the photos that was my favorite, and it spoke a lot to that region is the simple um, shot of the railroad tracks. I believe those are some old coal cars there. And what looks like the sun literally either setting in or coming up over the mountains. And Justin, when you sent me that in that moment, I just I, I thought that captures Eastern Kentucky because it will rise. It, it the people will rise. They're resilient. We say that a lot, but it is so true of that region. And I just thought out of all the photos that you captured, and I don't even know if that one is flood related, but it said a lot about that area. It is. <clears throat> It is flood related in the sense, I mean, so that's as soon as you are coming into hazard and Perry County was flooded as well. Uh, but that was my last frame as I wrapped up my day filming in Whitesburg and going back to Berea. Hmm. And and I, I actually passed it, then I turned the car around, had to go back and and, and shoot from the bridge. I just, I, it just, it felt like that was like the, the wrap of the day. Mm -hmm. and uh the water was you know it was still up even you know in perry county um no i i, I like that image a lot um i think a lot of people like the fire truck image uh, just because it's it is a distressing image it's it's uh, you know when you see a fire truck you know help is on the way and seeing something that that is um kind of strained under a under a bridge that's it's kind of helpless itself yeah. and there's been plenty of cell phone videos um, of of when the truck was completely underwater you would just see maybe the top light of it and that's that was interesting to to see that cell phone video and then for me to kind of stumble i mean it's just on the outskirts of right. hindman um but i think i think people are really going to remember that um but yeah most of my other content is is apple shop and just seeing their archives just covered in mud and digging it out people but, should say that don't know what apple shop is <clears throat> I, I think of apple shop as sort of the the lifeblood of um the record keeping really you know from a lot of historical value of of things of the mountains right is that how i would describe apple shop yeah um you know and, and they are doing their best i mean i follow that every day they are doing their best to save every ounce of material that they can because it is so important not not only for the past of what it captured but for generations to come as well yeah i mean there were so many volunteers coming i mean in that parking lot there was so many different license plates <laughs> from all over of just oh, supporters great. of apple shop coming in to help they had a suit up in the big what i don't, I don't, I don't know if it would be hazmat suits yeah. but um to be able to go into the the vaults and uh, and the shelving down in the basement to to retrieve everything and it was, you had VHS tape and just you can hear the water sloshing along inside of it but they were loading them into refrigerator trucks and uh, as as far as I know that's there's going to be some some major recovery effort and mm. it it seems to be positive yeah. uh, it was interesting because I was actually going to be 
going to Whitesburg on that Friday because they were going to have a student documentary film festival showing. And, uh, and I did see that they, that content was on hard drives and that was damaged as well. But I saw some pictures of it being dried out with fans and they are actually operating. So I believe they're actually going to try to do the, the, the film festival at some point with oh, those great. two films. Uh, but it was important for me to, they were the first place that I knew that I could be of some use yeah. to, to reach out to. Um, if I knew construction, then I, I would be there doing construction. I mean, I can carry stuff. I can wheelbarrow yeah. things. Um, I think there is a place for anyone who wants to volunteer there. And uh, my neighbor here in Bria, he's, he's going down almost every day with a trailer full of construction supplies to be able to help people clean out their homes and shovel out all the mud. And so everybody has a way of, of helping the people of Eastern Kentucky. But for me, Apple Shop, I, I fit in there because I just knew how important those documents are. They are one of the few places that have represented Appalachians in a way that uplifts us and 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 shares our story and in the best possible light and we're just normal americans just like everyone else um so and it, it's it's been interesting to kind of see you know the the connection sweet we, we had spoke briefly about i did a piece about a flood that happened in breathitt county and it was in 1939 and my I don't want to say it's my I don't it's not a complaint but it was something with all news stories if 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 it's not the day of if it's not at that current yep. breaking moment you don't really have much to film so it was a historic piece mm -hmm. and I couldn't I couldn't help visualize how devastating a flash flood in that area would be and I did the best I could and a lot of that was just leaving it up to the imagination of the viewer to like oh, the water is really high like yeah. that's the best we can we can say it was up to this point of a rock but then visiting home it was like oh that's what it would be like and I think that's a little terrifying it is to to see uh, i spoke with an awesome uh an awesome family in whitesburg they uh they live right at the right at the bridge as you're going into downtown whitesburg and there's like a a watermark on the sides of of, of her building and uh, and it had went past the 21 foot mark on her building. So she was home looking out the window with her daughter and, and the, it was the highest the water had ever been. And just seeing the whole town just being passing by her. Um, so that would just be insane. Um, but, and also in Whitesburg, the other thing that was really off-putting to me uh, as someone who works in in media and i've i've shot on tape I've, you know uh when you walk 
around Whitesburg, you will see videotape wrapped around trees and stop signs wow. and cars because everything from the archive of Apple Shop washed through Whitesburg. And, and so you just have reels of, of like VHS and beta tape just everywhere. And it's, um, it's, it feels pretty apocalyptic. Yeah. Um, but at least while I was there, everybody was, was cleaning up. They were, I don't want to say that anyone was in good spirits. It's kind of hard to yeah. be in a good mood when you're, you know, but I guess, you know, like with barbershops, the arcade, the music shop in Whitesburg, they're just putting things in a wheelbarrow. Yeah. And I don't know how much is actually salvageable just right. because I, I think the whole storefront was completely underwater. Uh, and the same in Hindman, I, I spoke with uh, the dulcimer shop owner, yeah. everything in there was just washed around. Um, so you see dulcimers with mud all over them and it's it's pretty wild uh, and I don't know if I've seen that represented very much besides you know just in, in in some news right but I think it hits a little differently being familiar with these places seeing a shop that maybe like my dad had had built a guitar in that shop in Hindman and uh and he was asking me about that and then he had to go kind of see for it himself yeah. but just to see these places that you know you're familiar with that and they only have a different tint to them everything's gray everything, everything is gray. that's right I think you and I live in color a lot I mean obviously you can shoot in black and white but I think you're right it, it does eastern Kentucky is a very vibrant place and it and it does dull it for the moment um I feel what you're saying about the musical instruments I have a dear friend who shared photos with me. Um, her father was the long time um, before he passed away, um, director at the Hyman Settlement School and seeing some of the instruments that were pulled out and to see them clean the best they could. But you think about music also being a lifeblood of Eastern Kentucky. And you think about um, so much of that right now is, is lost, you know, in terms of how do we get back to the music? How do we, you know, when you don't even have a community right now to pull together. How do you get back to those kinds of things? Justin, I want to ask you, when you worked on the piece, Washed Away, I believe that's when you were at WYMT, um, could you ever have imagined telling that story? And by the way, for folks who don't know, that was the flood of 1939. Um, horrific, came um, on the night of July 4th into the 5th. Um, I believe 79 Kentuckians killed. Could you ever have imagined fast forward um, in the year 2022 that we're talking about the same type of flash flooding, the same type of destruction um, on that same scale just that many years later? It was interesting. I, I, I just rewatched Washed Away um, and to kind of see how Eric Ekstrom and I represented those people and their stories. Um, speaking to the National Weather Service, um, he said it would absolutely be a possibility of this happening. Um, and thankfully now, you know, we, we have meteorologists that have the capability of putting warnings out. We, we did have warnings. It was just in the middle of the night again um 
it, it still just wasn't enough to, to save everyone. And it, back then there wasn't, there wasn't a warning. Um, and it's crazy. It just didn't seem like it made, it, it did make a difference. I'm sure many people were able to evacuate and get into, you know, but I'm hearing stories. I mean, most people were asleep when this, when this happened. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't have the, the radio on or the TV on to uh, let me know what's going on. I'm usually just out. And, but, you know, it's, it's the same stories, the same interviews. Again, um, I spoke to people who woke up with water rushing into the home and they had to climb upstairs and through a window, through a roof. And then speaking to people down in Knott County, it's again, like it was the middle of the night, blood was coming. Instead of getting on the roof, they had to climb the mountains yeah. and to be able to get away because their entire home was just off the foundation. And so it just, it, it, it doesn't feel like a sequel. It feels like a remake. Right. And, um, and then going back and looking at Wash Away, when we were doing that, I, I did, it was more of a weekend piece. We, we, yeah. we, we did it after hours. Um, and there wasn't a lot of information about it. And because it, it just wasn't documented. And, uh, and it was a historic flood. I mean, the National Weather Service said that it was probably the most substantial flash flood in the state's history. And, but there was no content. There was barely any photographs. Uh, there is an episode where there is archive video. And I found that archive video on an Italian archive. Wow. And we, we had to get access that way. So there was some helicopter that was in the area and that filmed it. And I believe they were in Italian filmmakers. And that was the only video content. And may I say, look, as I went back and watched all the episodes, watching that um, is very hard because, you know, now we've got drone video, we've got aerial video, and you see what we've just seen in the last several weeks. And then you see that and it really is. I don't want to use the word amazing because that doesn't seem right, but but it is in some regard that you have that kind of documentation in 1939 of this. I mean, it was really, it was kind of, I stopped the video to look at it over and over to see that. Yeah, and that was very late in production that I stumbled upon that. And But the other thing, I mean, it's, I don't know, I'm sure that many people are thinking, ahead what what does what does eastern kentucky look like a few months from now what are people going to be talking about they're still going to be rebuilding people are still not going to have their lives back um but there's there's so many things about if these people have just lost their homes lost their cars most of their jobs they are they were probably underwater as well so they can't really go back to work and in the washed away series we were hearing accounts all the people that there were so many interviews so much so much response when we put out kind of a call to action asking for anyone to want to speak with us everyone had such vivid stories about the flood the night of the flood it never goes away 
And some people, there was a story about a mother who had a, a, a panic attack when going through a car wash because it reminded her of that night. We have people who have experienced the same thing. What, like, I, I, I hope that some of this is going to be addressed early on to make sure that people are able to. Well, we talk about it more and that's important. Um, A lot more than than we did in 1939. More with Justin Skeens when we return. Get more local news and weather at a more convenient time. Watch WKYT News at 10 on the CW Lexington with Amber Philpott, Bill Bryant, and Chris Bailey. Justin, you are so very busy and I want to make a complete turn in topics away from flooding. And I want to talk about your latest piece of storytelling that just won an Emmy in the diversity and inclusion category. This video and work tells a story of baby blankets, uh, non-gendered, that are designed by a Berea College student talking about being a queer and non-binary person in a student craft. And Justin, this is just a beautiful piece, not only depicting a craft, but also a story that doesn't often get told or should be told more in this way. And it really was lovely. Yeah. I love producing content for student craft industries here. Um, I, I, as as a video documentarian, I love people that are too too busy to pay any attention to me, and uh, and these students are way too busy to pay attention to me. Yeah. It's my perfect playground for mm-hmm. me to to do to do my work. And um, I had met Emerson some time ago, and. Now they are are actually an employee of, of Berea College. And, and I love that I got to do an Appalachian piece like theirs. And because I think Appalachia consists of very many different people. And we don't hear that very much. And so it only took me like a day and a half to get to film that piece. Uh, I, I can't take a lot of credit for it because that space is super beautiful. Mm-hmm. What M produces is super beautiful. And I love the story of a, a non-gendered baby blanket mm-hmm. and they've been a hit. Um, people love those blankets. And, um, and I love that it was here in, in Berea, Kentucky, that that, that story kind of came out and it, it's it's not the norm and but uh and 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 they are um m is is still producing more cool new oh. things every it feels like every semester they're always working on something completely different and awesome um mm-hmm. uh, I think student craft industries is going to be doing a lot of unique different things. They're kind of breaking the mold a little bit about what they're producing. And in these stories, uh, I'm hoping to kind of encapsulate that to kind of show the different directions that they're, they're, they're giving the students to have an opportunity because many of these students are not going into that field. They're just, it's just a labor position and you can work in marketing. I mean, I, I will have labor students in marketing and communications to help me film and document people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, 
right now student craft is is kind of focusing on giving students the the workspace to explore design to create things um, and students have got to work with leading designers of, in this country they you know uh, during the pandemic i was photographing uh, a, a particular collection being produced and those pictures were in the new york times so you had mm. Appalachian students exploring craft and design and then being uplifted and celebrated for it. Um, and I'm actually working on a piece right now, another craft story and it is about a, a biology student who's interested in botany and the position with student craft that she is working in is uh, a dye garden. So she harvests flowers and grinds up the flowers and uses the dye for some of the craft product. And everything is just grown here on campus. And I just think that's cool. Like not only are you gonna be studying biology, going into botany, but you are working in a greenhouse and a garden and you go through that entire process and growing these things. It's it's pretty cool. And it, it's so easy for me, for my job because everything's so visual. They, yeah. it just does all the work for me. I just- You love it, like just let forward. me point and shoot. I'm, I can do it, right? Yeah. It. Well, let me say congratulations. It was a beautiful piece. Um, it, it's beautiful for multiple reasons. It's beautiful because it's lovely to watch, but also the story is lovely that is told through it. So congratulations. Probably the thing I love the most is um, Bria sent out um, a little snippet to congratulate you and a little press release. And I, I'm, I'm gonna kind of paraphrase, but there's a quote from you and it says, I'm under the impression that the whole world is fascinated by Appalachians, documenting people here in Bria at the foothills of the Appalachian mountains feels like I'm speaking with my family. They are my folks from up the road, down the creek and over the hill. That, Justin, that says everything about you. I know how much you love um, Eastern Kentucky. And, and I just think, man, you're getting to do your life's work, but also like the love of your life's work sort of in what you do every day. And it just speaks volumes through what you do, buddy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's satisfying when I can wrap up a story. Um, a lot of it, uh, Bria College gives me the access to so many of these characters. I mean, this is, a, I, I, I keep saying playground. It really is a playground for me. We have a sustainable farm. We have the college forests and protecting American chestnut trees. That's, I can get out and film a different story every day. It's almost like I'm in news again. I mean, when I left broadcast news, I, I didn't have an assignment editor anymore. And that was devastating because it was so hard to go and find the stories that you want. It was, you know, See, I don't I, call I was, that devastating because then I go, I get to find the stories I want to do as opposed to somebody telling me what to do. So, oh. yeah, I, I, I guess I never really got the, got the hang of of just finding the stories. I'm usually just setting and listening. I'm like, oh, can you introduce me to that person? And it was just so few and far between, but now it's like every single day, I'm like, go and I can go and film this, I can go and film that. And that's just awesome. Um, and, I'm, and I'm still doing freelance work now. I can be more particular on the projects that I, that I pick and in focus on the pieces that I really want to give all of myself for and what is that um, is there something you have your you, you know like that is your 
you know, if I could get this man, nothing else would matter. Like, this is my one story I want to tell, or, or do you just really take what comes your way when it comes your way? Is there something you're chasing, I guess? I, 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 I mean, I do take what I can, you know, what, what is put out there. If it, if it sounds like it's something that would benefit having me involved, right. I'll take it. Um, not everything requires me to do. Uh, Cause some things I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not very good at weddings. I'm not very, you know, I'm, I'm not very good at, uh, at many commercial things, but it was because my whole background is, is, is news. I mean, I don't, I don't alter things. I don't, I don't ask people to redo a lot. Do it over, I yeah. Yeah. I just never had, I never had that, yeah. that luxury. And I, I kind of carried that over to my freelance and it's been nice because I, I can just say no to certain things. I'm just like, I'm, I'm garbage at that. You don't want me on that. I don't, I don't need to be around it, but it's, uh, I am after certain things there. I have a, I have so many, I, I have so many favorite filmmakers mm -hmm. that I've explored over the past few years. And, um, there is one filmmaker, his name is Les Blank and he traveled the South and and i believe maybe the the 60s 70s 80s and just did documentaries over mm -hmm. people of the south and whether that was just them on the porch playing the banjo uh playing the harmonica he did an awesome piece about a blues musician um and i've watched those i got a box set of just his movies and i just sat and just let that play mm -hmm. and i think about that that a lot of, you know, this was kind of the, the deep South that he was filming in at the time. And it was stories that we, we don't hear of very often, but I would love to recreate something similar, a collection of Appalachian stories, whether that is just someone letting me in their kitchen, yeah. talking me through a recipe that is just very, very Appalachian. And, and I just, I just filmed this person making this dish and if it's someone who just wants to sit on a porch and play a guitar for me let me film that i just want snippets of present day appalachia because i don't i don't see it anywhere yeah. and in probably in the last like five years there's been so many books and movies produced that doesn't necessarily without naming any names yeah. it's there's there's a lot of misrepresentation and it's tough. And, and I never thought that I'd be one to take it so personally. Um, I feel like I have some conflicting relationships with, with people on the mountains. Uh, it goes back and forth. I think, you know, we're, we're a melting pot of just different people. And, but I believe it just, that, that goes away when I go home, everybody's neighbors, people to, to say hello to. And, but I just, I want to make something that I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know everyone's going to be able to pick it apart and, and, and find something they may not like about it, but like, I would love to create a piece that collectively Appalachia is like, Oh yeah, that's us. That's, that's what we do. That's, that's who we are and be proud of that piece. It's, you know, it's not putting anyone down. It's, it's, it's uplifting them and, there's not a lot of documentation of that. And I'd love to tackle something of, the, of that scale.
Well, Justin, I think you're well on your way. And I think I have this right. Remember that one time when you got stuck in the snow on the interstate for like 20, I don't know, it wasn't 24 hours. It probably felt like it. You are sure beating that all to heck. So what you're doing now sure beats getting stuck in the snow on the interstate working news with us, buddy. <laughs> it does. That was, I, that was almost like that was probably in within my last two weeks. Yeah, no wonder you said I'm I'm going to the other side. Um, no, in all seriousness, I know you're busy, and I, I appreciate you taking some time. And and I um I appreciate what you're doing because I'm a creative soul, and um I do work news, but I love stories, and I love seeing a story told through images, and you do that. So please keep putting that out into the world and and making it a better place by telling people's stories, good, bad, and different, whatever they are. Um, sometimes those stories need to be told. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Justin Skeens, everybody. Justin, if people want to follow you um, before we get out of here, where can people find you, your work? If they'd like to, you know, pitch you a story idea, you know, how do people find you? you I mean, my website is just my name, justinskeens.com. Uh, you can also type in thekentuckian.com. That'll take you there as well. Um, pretty easy to find. Just look for someone wearing a Kentucky hat. Um, probably me. Good deal. Justin Skeens, everybody. Thanks so much to Justin and thank you to our listeners. And I'm sure you will see me on the news before you hear me again. Big thanks to Justin Skeens and what he is doing on the ground to sort of help preserve um, some of the history that has certainly happened with this catastrophic flooding, but also for his insight and for sharing his love with us of Eastern Kentucky and a region that he holds so very dear. That region is hurting right now, and certainly our neighbors in Eastern Kentucky could use all the help they can get. So if you would like to help, please go to WKYT.com and right there on our homepage, we've got ways that you can help out folks there who are starting the long road to recovery and the road to rebuilding their lives back. And we want to say thank you if you have already contributed to the flood relief efforts. And if you are still thinking about it, again, you can find all of the information right there on WKYT.com.